testimonies are very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're gonna lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game, this is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. It was a near-party-line vote, with Democrats overruling Republican objections to hold former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows in contempt of Congress. The case now goes to the Justice Department, where they'll decide if Meadows should be prosecuted after he stopped cooperating with the committee looking into the Capitol Hill riot. He claims executive privilege, but Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin said, We have hundreds of questions for Mr. Meadows about information he has already admitted is not privileged in any way at all. While Republican Congressman Jim Banks blasted Democrats, It's all about burying their political opponents. Meadows faces a year in prison. In Washington, Jill Nato, Fox News. She uh, is excited about that. Most people on the left are excited about that. And that is, of course, that the House, surprise, surprise, led by Nancy Pelosi, uh, with a majority in the House, voted to hold Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff for sitting president, in contempt. And now they're referring it to the Justice Department. And, you know, I just, I will just have to stop and think what we think. What will the Justice Department do about that? They'll protect his rights, right? Because there's no crime here. There's no crime here. The crime, I guess, really was spelled out yesterday when Liz Cheney, uh, who, as part of that committee, had uh, in, it made or insisted, and I guess the um, communications companies willingly complied. They turned over all of Mark Meadows' text messages, his private co conversations. Oh, now Liz Cheney and that committee, who has only his best interests at heart and only wants justice, has it all. So Liz, before they took the vote yesterday, I'm so disgusted with Liz Cheney. I've told you before, I used to know her. I used to have a lot of respect for her and her mother and her father too. Uh, but this is just is someone I do not recognize. She stood before the committee and read this into the House record. These are the texts that Mark Meadows received on January the 6th. And if you hear anything criminal in this, if you hear anything, let me know because I'm missing it. This is Liz Cheney reading Mark Meadows' text, clip 12. These text messages leave no doubt the White House knew exactly what was happening here at the Capitol. Members of Congress, the press, and others wrote to Mark Meadows as the attack was underway. One text Mr. Meadows received said, quote, we are under siege here at the Capitol. Another, 
quote, they have breached the Capitol. In a third, Mark, protesters are literally storming the Capitol, breaking windows on doors, rushing in. Is Trump going to say something? A fourth, there's an armed standoff at the House chamber door. And another from someone inside the Capitol. We are all helpless. Dozens of texts, including from Trump administration officials, urged immediate action by the president. Quote, POTUS has to come out firmly and tell the protesters to dissipate. Someone is going to get killed. In another, Mark, he needs to stop this now. A third, in all caps, tell them to go home. A fourth, and I quote, POTUS needs to calm this down. These non-privileged texts are further evidence of President Trump's supreme dereliction of duty during those 187 minutes. And Mr. Meadows' testimony will bear on another key question before this committee. Did Donald Trump, through action or inaction, corruptly seek to obstruct or impede Congress's official proceedings to count electoral votes? You know, all right, so let's just talk about this. Let's just say, you know, I get in, in Liz Cheney's head because she hates President Trump so much. She does. Uh, she is part of the Bush operation. The Bushes hate him. Uh, I'll, t I'll t tell you how much they hate him. Uh, Mitt Romney, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, uh, Jeb Bush, they've all been giving Liz Cheney money hand over fist because they want her to run for president. Uh, they hate President Trump also. He challenged the system, and they hate him for that. I never knew, honestly, I never knew how deeply corrupt even the Bush organization was. I've been told about that, but I just kind of uh, brushed it aside because I liked President Bush personally so much. And Laura had such a great affect about her as a lady and sweet, and especially after the Clintons, it was a breath of fresh air. But something was not right there. Something has overtaken them that is uh, bitter uh, and it is really anti-American, not at all like their their father who died, what, last year? Uh, and toward the end, he was doing the same thing. So now they're, you know, they're out to destroy anyone who was allied with President Trump. And that's why Liz is happy to serve on this committee. And she's hoping that she might be president. So, and they're making, they're giving her lots of money to build her up to do that. Now, in those texts that she read, it, it really basically shows you that people were concerned. It's like they want to say that this was an insurrection, that all the people around the president and all of the friends, many of the ones that actually were in those email, were encouraging this insurrection. They were all, you know, uh, in part of this big cabal to, uh, you know, disrupt the election counting and to go into the Capitol. But President Trump, they've got nothing on that. And, and the fact that Mark Meadows, and look, I know Mark well, and, uh, you know, I've texted him before. He doesn't, do you, can you imagine how many texts, is he supposed to sit down and respond to every text that people send him? Are you kidding me? When you're in a position like that, on a day like that, you think maybe he might have been doing something else? And I also would say to you, I don't really know what they thought President Trump should do. Those people that were there that were in the middle of the fighting 
uh, and breaking things were not like looking at their phones, looking for texts or at televisions, looking for addresses. And we know now that many of them were there inciting violence, some of them through the FBI and other, uh, we just know this. Uh, we know this, and Ray Epps comes to mind, and I could t- take a detour and talk about others, like in the crowd encouraging people to go in, to go in, you know, go inside the Capitol. That did not come from Donald Trump. Uh, as far as I could tell from anything I've heard, it never came from him. What is it that they expected? As I said to you yesterday, he had asked, I think at least three times, for the mayor of Washington, D.C., and also Nancy Pelosi as the head of, you know, the security in the Capitol, that's her ultimate job as Speaker of the House, to allow the National Guard to come in because they were afraid. Uh, they just wanted to make sure nothing happened. Because I think they thought initially that Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters would face off with Trump protesters, which had been what had been happening. I uh, know well, I was there. I was in the middle of it more than once. So, you know, I so the, it's just as much ado about nothing and really the breach of um, Mark Meadows' privacy, his rights, the Fourth Amendment, is just breathtaking. That's not a law-breaking thing. That's not like texts that were seized by government because they are implicating someone in a crime. It's nothing like that. And so she read it, and then they voted to, um, you know, hold him in contempt, and uh, they'd like to put him in prison. And so, um, you know, Tucker Carlson was talking about this last night. He did great, uh, as he always does. Tucker never disappoints. But he was talking, reminding people of why people were there on January 6th in case we need reminding. You know, we've been told that the election, uh, Joe Biden won handily. And uh, any notion that he might not have won fair and square, that there was any chicanery in the election is a big lie. And anyone who believes that big lie remains in jail, you know, in D.C., Or, uh, you know, you can't get a job or you are blackballed if you're an attorney or you're fired. It just goes on and on because we must all believe that it was a big lie. But Tucker reminded us last night, uh, Fox has forbidden their host really to talk about anything regarding the machines because Dominion is suing the socks off of anyone who says it was the machines. And so uh, Fox, Fox, including Tucker, are very careful about that. They don't say much. But last night, Tucker added another little flavor of what happened on the election, and the reason why so many people were there saying, wait a second, don't certify those electoral votes. There are problems we have to sort out first. There were reasons for that, and let's listen to Tucker kind of lay that out. Clip three. Consider the facts that we know. As Election Day approached, Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T shut down the Trump's campaign's ability to send text messages. And then Google, this has never even been reported, but it is widely known. Google prevented the Trump campaign from raising money over Gmail. There's no precedent for that. The Trump re-election campaign lost millions in donation. That was the whole point of it. So the most powerful companies on planet Earth, heavily regulated by the government, benefiting from government contracts, swung behind Joe Biden and tried to stop Donald Trump, the sitting president, in his tracks. Is that fair? Is that the democracy that Liz Cheney is always lecturing you about? No, it isn't fair. It's totally unfair. And we didn't even mention Facebook's part in this. Mark Zuckerberg's hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, spent in various in the, in the states which were most at risk for voter fraud, uh, whether it was Georgia or Arizona. Uh, uh, Zuckerberg spent millions uh, of having, you know, taking over really the voting apparatus in those states. We're going to talk uh, Friday with Cleta Mitchell. She's going to bring us up to date uh, to where we are in those recounts 
uh, in various states. It's a pretty amazing story. Uh, trust me, there was a lot of chicanery. And anyone who's paying attention and really wants to know knows that. Uh, so the other part of this is, of course, the lies on the left continue. Uh, they talk about this being an insurrection, an insurrection, an insurrection. By the way, of course, the people in jail in D.C. are being held. Uh, they're not even uh, have not even been uh, accused. They're accused of crimes, but they haven't. They can't even uh, post bail. They've just been kept in solitary confinement. Just you know, just cause they're so horrible. And the the things they've been charged with are like parading. It's it's just it is horrendous. It's disgraceful. And then you add to that that the left is just lying with impunity. In fact, newscasters, when they repeat the story of January 6th, say this all the time, and they're not helped by people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, is, who wrote that 138 were injured at the Capitol and almost 10 dead. Yeah, so um, that's not true. One person was killed in that Capitol. Uh, and she was a Trump supporter shot by an agent in the Capitol, uh, one of Nancy Pelosi's team. So, uh, and the other person that we're going to hear more about, there were two women, we think that, well, one that was killed, trampled, and beaten by a policeman were Trump supporters. Uh, the uh, the Brian Sicknick, the police officer, did not die in that. Uh, he died of other causes later, but they accused uh, the Trump supporters of killing the policeman. So it's just so twisted. And I feel like I have to repeat that stuff because you're going to be hearing more and more of this propaganda. And you also need to be prepared to defend uh, people that were there, uh, not people that broke the law. I don't know. I, I don't even, I, you know, at this point, it seems like that the cases of people who really did anything, uh, the, the window breaking, that bothered me. And I, I remember looking at some of the people doing that, and I still wonder, who were those people? You know, and, and you have a right to wonder that. Remember that there was a pipe bomber on the loose the night before around the Capitol? There's videotape of him. There's videotape of him sitting on a park bench making a phone call uh, on his phone. Who was that? Uh, they, they, they reported that story as though, get ready for tomorrow because all of these, ins well, they didn't say insurrection yet. All of these people, these Trump supporters are coming to the Capitol and, uh, and so they tried to sort of paint the people that came on January 6th with the brush of the pipe bomber on the 5th. I think some, they said there was a device at the RNC and the DNC, but no one ever knew who that person was, even though he's on videotape and he was sitting on a park bench using his phone. If they were listening to everyone's phone, they were tracking all the phones in that area. Why do you suppose they can't figure out who that person was dressed in black planting pipe bombs? It's because a lot of us feel like it was a, a plant, a scam, uh, just like the the uh, Epps figure uh, inciting people to go inside the Capitol. We feel like he was an FBI plant or uh, uh, some kind of a plant from somewhere. And I don't think they were the only ones. So it's really, really not as neat and tidy uh, as uh, the left would have you believe. It's, uh, it's a fiasco. And the January 6th committee is a kangaroo court. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it time for open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also when you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. Double. 
It really is remarkable. There's more than 400,000 members now who have shared more than $4 billion in medical bills. So they can handle your bills too. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th, they'll waive your new member fee. So that's another $170 you'll save. I'll give you the number here in a second, but call and you'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline, December 15th. So call now and you'll save even more. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Paul Winfrey, chairman of the Fulbright Foreign Scholarship Board. He leads the program that selects students, scholars, and teachers to participate in educational exchange programs. Romans 12:16 reminds us of the importance of embracing different cultures. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Paul Winfrey as he oversees foreign scholarship programs. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. With the generous support of listeners like you, our radio ministry is in our fourth year on the air. Keep the power of prayer going and become a regular sustaining member. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. The January 6th Commission dropped what they thought was a bombshell, but it turned out to be a dud. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the Republican from Wyoming, read text messages sent to Mark Meadows, former President Trump's chief of staff. The messages were sent as rioters stormed the U.S. Capitol. Fox News Channel host Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity begged Meadows for a presidential intervention. Donald Trump Jr. called for an Oval Office address, noting the riot had gotten out of hand. Now, at face value, this is clear evidence that whatever happened on January 6th was not an insurrection. It also illustrates President Trump was not the mastermind of some sort of a grand scheme to stage a de facto coup. There are still lots of questions left to be answered, like how many FBI agents were involved in the planning and execution of the attack, and why did Democrat leadership tell Capitol Police to stand down? Let's see if Ms. Cheney gets answers to those questions. I'm Todd Starnes. Merry Christmas from American Family Radio and Sandy Rios in the Morning. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio. Everybody. you to stay in your home for a couple weeks. It's for the greater good. 
we need you to close your business just for a short time. It's for the greater good. We need you to stay home just a little bit longer than two weeks. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear this on your face. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear two of these on your face. It's for the greater good. We need you to inject this into your body. It's for the greater good. We need you to spend the holidays alone. It's for the greater good. You must inject this into your body if you want to feed your family. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop eating that. It's not good for the environment. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop driving your car and flying. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop heating your home so often. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop saying that. It's hurting some people's feelings. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop having children. It's not good for the planet. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop talking about your faith. It's offending people. This is for the greater good. We need to separate you from your children because you're not complying. This is for the greater good. We need to hold you in a facility for a little while for not cooperating. This is for the greater good. 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 All right, Sandy, real quick. This is for the greater good. I just that Sebastian Gorka posted that in his Twitter feed, and I just that was pretty amazing. I think she calls herself Patriot Mommy, and of course she's sort of talking about COVID, but I think the larger point is she's talking about totalitarianism, where government tells you what to think about everything. Uh, medical care and how you feel about everything and controls the source of information uh, so that you don't even know what you don't know. And that kind of ties into what we're going to talk about now. You know that President uh, Biden has uh, nominated incredibly radical people to key positions in government. And uh, uh, so sadly, the Senate, led by Mitch McConnell, who could stop a lot of them, has let, let a lot of them go through. The one we're going to talk about this morning is new to me. Her name is Gigi Song. She's been nominated to be part of the SEC. And John Schweppe joins us this morning. He's the Director of Political and Governmental Affairs for the American Principles Project, which is a great organization. We've talked to them many times before, and I've asked John to join us this morning to talk about the dangers. Uh, in this case, is to even just to radio. I, I tell you all the time that, you know, be grateful that today we can talk that you can listen and I have the freedom to tell you and share information. If Gigi Son is confirmed, that might change. John, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Sandy. You know, help me explain, uh, John, or explain uh, um, yeah, explain for us uh, what the FCC does exactly. In general, what are they in charge of? So, so the Federal Communications Commission is supposed to be an independent agency that basically regulates our airwaves um, their mission is essentially to defend free speech, uh, freedom of the press, make sure that, you know, smaller uh, outlets can compete with larger ones. Um, you know, that's their goal. They're, they're tasked with a pretty important job, which is um, to preserve some of the uh, important values that make this country America. Um, and, you know, up to this point, uh, you know, there's going to be Democrats and Republicans who disagree on some of the various issues with regulation, 
But, you know, everyone there so far, I mean, there hasn't really been this push against free speech uh, until now. And Joe Biden has nominated this uh, far left woke activist, as he said, Gigi Son, um, who has her entire career focused on deplatforming Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, uh, implementing things like the Fairness Doctrine, which would go after talk radio and basically destroy the business model of talk radio. Um, this is she is very intent, as as much of the left has become, um, very intent on quashing the speech of the right. And um, unfortunately, I think that would be extremely dangerous um, if she were allowed to uh, to to be placed on the FCC. So, John, you know, the fairness doctrine has been uh, a threat for a long time, and it's something mm-hmm. that I've gone to bat over for. You know, uh, at least probably a couple of decades ago, we were really fighting back, um, probably when Clinton was in office. I'm sure that's probably when this came up again. So the left, this is not a new idea. They've wanted for a long time to muzzle free speech uh, to just th- their their speech. And we've, we've been able to push it back every time. But I do believe, and I'm sure you do too, uh, that right now uh, they've the left has been marching through the institutions very successfully. And now the, that so many leftists are in the, the administration of Joe Biden, they must silence now uh, those of us that are speaking freely. I think there's going to be an all-out assault. It hasn't started yet, but I just you can take it to the bank that there will be that. It is only logical. What do we know? In, I mean, what was Gigi Son doing? I mean, what is, her, what is her profession? Is she a bureaucrat? Is she part of the deep state? Do you know? She's an activist. So um, her history, she co-founded an organization called Public Knowledge, which is funded by George Soros. Um, and their their mission was very much go after Fox, and kind of like Media Matters, like going after Fox News, going after conservative media. Um, she's also been involved with uh, an organization. This was one that kind of threw me for a loop. Uh, she supported an organization called Free Press, which is an ironic name, uh, yeah. that was calling on the FCC uh, to implement what they called a broadcast hoax rule, uh, which would deplatform anyone and any radio host and any TV host uh, talking about COVID-19 in a way that went outside the, the regime's line on this. And so, um, you know, again, like this is just, this is extremely scary stuff. And I think the reason the left is so intent on um, censoring us and, and, and squashing our speech is because they know they're losing in the marketplace of ideas. If you look at the polling right now, Democrats uh, on the on the generic congressional ballot, they're 10 points underwater. Republicans are set for a huge midterm. And I think the only way that the Democrats can really stop this from happening is if they completely control the free flow of information and have a monopoly on it. And so I think that's what they're trying to do. Um, and so any Republican, uh, you know, in the Senate uh, who has a vote on these types of issues you know, it goes on to the big tech censorship stuff, too. I mean, we have to recognize that not only are our political lives at stake, but democracy itself is at stake. Like, we can't mess around with this and, you know, pretend that this is just a, a normal issue. So, uh, well, there's a lot of complexities here. We could talk about Section 230, but but there are a lot of ways. I, you know, it is kind of amazing to me when you think about it, John, that They've managed, well, they, who's they? I don't my husband's always asking me, who's they? Well, let's say in social media, someone has managed to uh, get them to silence uh, conservatives. Conservatives are still breaking through in other ways, uh, but the, the censorship, I don't need to convince anyone listening to this show, 
is amazing, and the success that they've reached is amazing. They just uh, they just closed off the spigot on the full spectrum of opinions and views on things. I'm really surprised, to be honest with you, that they've not made more inroads uh, in the airwaves. Is that does that surprise you? Uh, yeah, I, I think you know part of it is uh, you know they've historically progressivism has been a slow boil, and I think with the advent of the woke left, they've really tried to focus on a much more quick approach to um, getting rid of, you know, basically <laughs> blocking us from participation in democracy. Um, and, you know, so I think there is an internal battle on strategy on the left. Um, and, you know, obviously this president um, hasn't done a very good job fighting against the wokes. Um, you know, he's pretty much done everything they want. But, you know, there are plenty of Democrats, and I think that's what we're seeing with this nomination fight, uh, who are maybe a little queasy about, uh, you know, do, you know, going as aggressive on this uh, speech, you know, censoring speech as, as some of the, the woke folks. And so my hope with, with the Gigi Son nomination is that if we can get 50 Republicans to oppose and then two or three Democrats to hold out, we have a real shot at, at stopping this. And I will tell you, um, she actually was removed from the calendar uh, for this year, um, which means that there's still, you know, she's going to have to go through the whole process again. So there is a real chance that we might actually defeat this particular nominee. Well, we hope so. You know, I, I will just a little, uh, just a little memory on my part, and you may remember this too, John. It depends on how old you are here. But um, when Rush Limbaugh became so popular, the left uh, decided that they needed uh, this. Uh, we'll call it the woke network. That's not what it was, but uh, that's you get the idea. And so they they solicited all these leftist liberal hosts, and they launched it with all of this money. And it just went bust. It was just such a flop. And um, I, I heard, um, oh, I can't think of his name from uh, the, Michael Medved. I did an expose on this once. I was listen- well, actually, he and I were talking, and then he wrote about it. Uh, but he said um, the reason why conservatives are so successful on radio is that they are they major on reason and words and thoughts, and concepts, and they develop, and it makes sense verbally, and you can express it. It doesn't work well with the liberal mind, which responds more to visual, to sound bites, uh, and so television and visual uh, appeals more to the left, and talk radio, which has to do with ideas and concepts and speech, plays much better with the right. And so that's why they just, and it's true when you think about it, what progressive host has uh, had any kind, any, even come close to the success of Rush Limbaugh, really, on radio? I, I, I don't think you can right. name anyone. I can't. And so uh, it's just inherently a failure for them uh, to try to compete with us on radio. But, but there's yeah. still a great danger here. I, I think that's a really astute point. I'm a, uh, a Rush baby, so I remember him mocking Air America quite a bit, oh, that's actually. Right, yes. and, and, uh, but, but yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, look, the, the reality of it is, and, and this is one of the things I'm always amused by, the left prides themselves on their education and how smart they are, but I don't think they're very good critical thinkers. And radio is for people who can think critically, who can um, really wrestle with these issues and consider all the different sides and, 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 you know, go with it. And TV is not that. TV is very much just, here's your uh, marching orders for the day. Here's which stories you're supposed to be upset about. Now go into the ether yeah. and and uh, spread that. And so, um, but look, this is why we have to. America is pr- 
predicated on having a free, open public square where we can discuss these ideas, where we can debate. And once that goes away, Sandy, this becomes a very different country. And and Mm -hmm. so my fear here is that, you know, the left is looking for short-term gains, but long-term, this could be really destructive. And and so we should hope that um, they fight their impulses a little bit here and and that we can, uh, at the very least, get someone at the FCC who might still do things we don't necessarily like, like, you know, impose net neutrality or whatever, but uh, at least as someone who isn't actively trying to uh, shut down conservative media. You know, before we say goodbye, just say a word about, now this uh, Jessica Rosenworcel, Rosenworcel, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, she is the, uh, the the new chairman and she she actually was confirmed, is that right? Yes, yes. Okay, okay so yes. what can you tell us about her? Yeah, so Jessica is a is a leftist. I mean, she is absolutely in favor of probably more control of the FCC, uh, certainly net neutrality, going back to, you know, those regulations. Um, she's dabbled a little bit with the fairness doctrine in the past. So, I mean, she's not, look, we, we have to recognize the Democrats do get their pick. But the thing about Jessica is that, um, you know, at least from what I understand, she works with the Republican commissioners. Um, she tries to approach these things in a bipartisan way. And she's interested in preserving the independence of that body. She's not a, trying to be a ranked partisan. And I think the issue with Gigi Stone getting in there is that everyone knows she would be a partisan, regardless of what she says, because her entire career has been motivated by doing that. And so um, I think that's the issue here. Uh, someone more in the mold of Rosenworcel would be preferable. And I think that's what Republicans should hold out for uh, in the Senate. All right. So, we're, but this is not going to come up again until the the new year when they come back. When they come back in January, that's when Gigi Sohn, we think, will be renom. Uh, her name will come up on the calendar. You think? Yeah. So that that's the idea. They they have to go through the whole process again. So um, either the Biden administration will renominate her, or they won't. They'll nominate someone else. And the issue with Gigi is that she's already um, made a concession that she would uh, uh, recuse herself from any of the issues involving some of her scandals. So if you're the Biden administration right now, you're kind of thinking, okay, well, why do we want to handicap ourselves at the FCC? So I would say it's probably about 50-50 right now, but I would say there's a very strong likelihood uh, that uh, she will not be renominated and that will be someone else that okay. uh, we'll have to look at and hope that they're not as uh, radical as she was. You know, the irony is, John, that we have to be so vigilant on behalf of the Senate. I, I really have been appalled. Uh, by how many nominees, which judicial or other, have actually made, made it through without very much of a fight. In fact, with overwhelming support. And so, but we, this is, uh, this is what we have to do. We have to hold their feet to the fire, as the phrase goes. And that's what you're doing. So uh, thanks for doing this, because I know you've been doing a lot of media on JG Sohn. It's important. And if her name does come up, you can bet we'll be talking again. So uh, John Schweppe of the American Principles Project. Thanks, John, for your hard work. And thanks for joining thanks. us this morning. Okay, talk to you soon. Thank you, Sandy. You're welcome. Well, I don't know if you've been watching the Salvation Army uh, bell ringers. I have just passed one by and would not give money. Why did I do that? I'll tell you when we return. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Ever since he walked on this earth, people have wondered who Jesus really was. Could he really have been the Son of God, or was he just a raving lunatic? This week on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains why we can be confident that Jesus really is the Messiah. 
Join us for a powerful study in the Gospel of Luke all this week on Pathway to Victory. Weekday mornings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White. Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. Hannah's Heart helps couples process infertility and miscarriage through a biblical lens. Join us Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. Find the podcast at AFR.net. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important. But if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Bad news for millions of Americans whose lives have been upended or destroyed by the Chinese Communist Party's pandemic, or who hate the idea of legitimating the CCP's genocide games in February, or its bid to dominate the world, take down our country in the process. John Solomon's Just the News reports that, quote, a loose coalition of lawmakers, nonprofits, and academics, unquote, is demanding that Team Biden end the so-called China initiative it inherited from President Trump. That program is designed to, quote, identify and prosecute those engaged in hacking, stealing trade secrets, and conducting economic espionage for the Chinese government on U.S. soil, unquote. It's a crime to betray our country by aiding and abetting her enemies. If we don't root out and punish such behavior, those enemies will inevitably defeat us. That must not be allowed to happen on our watch. This is Frank Gaffney. Christmas from American Family Radio and Sandy Rios in the Morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
love that. I know, I know some of you don't. I do love that. Uh, that's the soulful celebration, the Messiah's soulful celebration. And I just, uh, just gets me going. Love it, love it. Just a, I love the original Messiah. I love that too, but I love this rendition. So, all right, yesterday I was uh, out shopping and I, um, well, Salvation Army was out front ringing the bell and I just had to pass by and I had to tell them, I cannot give you money this year. And let me just say that the Salvation Army has been an organization that I've had tremendous respect for. You know, they've been around since, uh, I don't know, the 1800s. They started in Great Britain. Uh, they are known for their great music. I have sung in concerts uh, for, the, for the Salvation Army. I remember up in uh, Michigan, I think Petoskey or someplace like that, I remember doing, I've done more than one. They, they have a strong presence in Chicago. So I used to do a lot of things with the Salvation Army because I believed in them so much. And I, I'm not saying that I don't anymore, but I'm telling you, they have allowed, guess what? Guess what the Salvation Army has allowed? Uh, the same things the culture has allowed, the same things that the Southern Baptist Convention and other churches have allowed, and that is this whole deterioration of, uh, of our understanding of what social justice is. Not God's justice, but the new version uh, written by the woke generation. And so um, <clears throat> let me just, before I give you details about this, uh, let me just tell you that the, the Salvation Army now is saying that their giving situation this holiday is dire. They're facing a shortage. Uh, they've asked for more donations this year. Uh, and the, um, I guess I could just put it kind of simply this way. This all goes back to something that happened in November, and that was that they issued this, um, uh, this little pamphlet called Let's Talk About Racism. And it's, uh, it was all about a critical race theory, and I'll make that point in just a second. But I want to just tell you that they are really, in sh they're really running short. People are doing what I'm doing. They're not giving. <clears throat> they're, they're so far at 75%. Uh, of their donations in November, and um, toy donations are down, and so they are really uh, hurting. In fact, Kenneth Hodder, who is the, uh, the the commander of the Salvation Army, has made several videos uh, in response to the uh, criticism, and so let's listen to one of them. This is clip 10. I'm Commissioner Ken Hodder, National Commander of the Salvation Army. There is too much at stake right now for the people we serve for there to be any confusion about what the Salvation Army stands for. So let me be clear. We believe only in the Bible. We endorse no social theory or philosophy, and we never will. And we're not asking anyone to apologize for the color of their skin. We believe that all of us are made in God's image and that He loves all of us equally and that racism is totally incompatible with Christianity. We apologize for any confusion the Salvation Army has caused on this, but right now, there are lots of people who need our help. They need your help. So join us in meeting human needs in Christ's name without discrimination. Merry Christmas. All right, that's Commander Kenneth Hodder of the uh, Salvation Army, but let's talk about this for a second. Uh, they just sent a text last week to their... Um, Supporters, I don't know who, who's on the list to get texts from the Salvation Army, but they told white donors in this text that they need to sincerely apologize for their racism. Um, and so that's a problem. That's a problem. In fact, National Review did an article back in November about this, and we just never got around to talking about this, but it's time to do that. Um, the guidebook that they uh, now are using is called, where we're using, 
It's called Let's Talk About Racism. And uh, it asks for Christians to reflect on and rectify their contributions to the social inequities and prejudicial systems that have harmed minorities. And uh, they they cited their, the Salvation Army cited their international position statement on racism and uh, acknowledging with regret that Salvationists have sometimes shared in the sins of racism and conformed to economic, organizational, and social pressures that perpetuate racism. Uh, In another document called The Study Guide on Racism, they claim that white people are responsible for unconscious bias, which is, of course, right out of uh, Ibram Kendi's uh, writings. It's critical race theory. He argues that white people's legacy of racism is irredeemable and that the only remedy is reverse discrimination as a matter of justice, a payback, to level the societal playing field. The guide reads, The subtle nature of racism is such that people who are not consciously racist easily function with privileges, empowerment, and benefits of the dominant ethnicity, thus unintentionally perpetrating injustice. So so, let me just say, on behalf of the Salvation Army, the one I used to know, they are colorblind. They have, uh, before people were even racism, the barriers in race were not as low as they are now, and I maintain they are low. I maintain that most Americans really have become and are certainly on the road to becoming colorblind. And the, the Salvation Army was there a long time ago. They were there a long time ago, but now they have to beat their breast and, uh, I don't know, uh, make uh, everyone that's white and Christian feel guilty because they go into the Christian thing, too, about Christians, you know, I- implementing this. It talks about, they have a glossary of social justice terms, uh, anti-racist, colonizer, domestic terrorism, fascism, inclusion, institutional racism, microaggressions, systematic racism, and whiteness. So that's what the Salvation Army was. I think they were training their people. I don't know where that brochure went other than that. Um and so, uh, and this is not the first time the Salvation Army has uh, gone off the rails. They went off the rails on the uh, uh, the issue of homosexual marriage. <laughs> they did. And so they were, I remember, confronted on that issue. And I remember at the time, I just distinctly remember that they denied that they were doing what they actually were doing. They denied it. Oh, no, rather than say, oh, I'm, we're sorry, we will rectify they just denied it. And that's what I see here, too. And I'll give you, I'll just uh, read you their statement. Uh, in spite of what the commander just said, this is what they say. Um, Although we remain committed to serving everyone in need, regardless of their beliefs, backgrounds, or lifestyle, some individuals and groups have recently attempted to mislabel our organization to serve their own agendas. They have claimed that we believe our donors should apologize for their skin color that the Salvation Army believes America is inherently a racist society and that we have abandoned our Christian faith for one ideology or, or another. Those claims are simply false. Well, if they're simply false, then why are you doing, using that manual? Let's t- uh, the, guidebook. The, guide, the guidebook. Let's talk about racism. I'm sorry. The only, the only rectifying of this is to completely denounce it. It's not to play footsie with it and smile and do commercials and act like it's not true, and say that people are saying that about you because they have agendas. Uh, The only agenda that I have personally, I could tell you, is to restore the Salvation Army to their once great role. Uh, I just read, I would, if I were them, I would, I would weed out the cancer. I would weed that cancer out, and I would do exactly what the commander said. I would go back 
to biblical principles on race and everything else. It's it's just it. They must think we're stupid if they think that we they're that we think they're not implementing something else besides the the Christian teachings on this. When they do a, produce a guidebook like that, they must think we're stupid. So. When you go to the uh, Salvation, you see Salvation Army bell ringers, uh, I would just suggest that you very kindly tell them that until they denounce what they've been doing uh, in terms of race, until they denounce uh, their stand, uh, which is really coming, I don't even know how to word it. Uh, You know what? I should write this out and make it available to you, but I'm not ever going to get to do that. I know I'm not. Uh, but you can use your own words. Just tell them to. They are. They have to renounce it. It's not enough to deny it. They have to renounce it. And we don't hear them renouncing it. Okay. So that's that would be my position on that. All right. I want to move to something else uh, important. You know, I talk about COVID every day. I do, don't I? Well, uh, we've been talking about this new vi- this new Omicron uh, variant, which you know has spread all over. It's in this country in like thirty states and. Everybody's been whipped into a frenzy. And then I've told you that in spite of all that, no one had died of the Omicron virus, of, of variant. And the people that are on the front lines were telling us it's very mild. Uh, and it's going on for months now. And I think, you know, I think, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Rachel, Rachel Walensky's and the uh, Anthony Fauci's are a little disappointed. Just a little disappointed. It's just, you know... Gosh, we were hoping for more than that. So out of uh, the UK comes this notion, and I told you this yesterday, that there has been the first death of Omicron, the very first death. So I now this is a follow-up story on this, which makes sense to me because I said to you yesterday, hmm, do you suppose that like in other cases they might have made that up? I don't know. And I don't know still. And neither does um, professor of medicine and consultant oncologist Carol Sikora uh, in Great Britain. Uh, because he says they won't name the person, they won't tell you the circumstances. Uh, it's been they've been completely just tell you that someone has died of Omicron, and that is a little suspicious. Um, he says the doctor says they are causing unnecessary harm. Were the, was this person in hospital for COVID, or were they there because they've been run over by a bus? Have they had the booster? Are they elderly? Uh, noting that the average age of someone who dies from COVID is eighty two point five years. There are all sorts of nuances to this thing, and we're not being given proper information. No details have been released. I suspect it's just some old boy that's tested positive. He may have died in his sleep or with a heart attack. Who knows? So that's the one death now that the world has seen on this. And by the way, most of the patients in the U.K. right now with Omicron are double vaccinated. So, um, okay, so actually the World Health Organization I read yesterday claimed that no one had died of Omicron. And so I knew, I knew when I saw that, because that was the answer to a question they were being interviewed, that they'd have to do something. So they did something. Uh, Director General Tedros Adhanom, you can say it if you can spell it, uh, said in a briefing on Tuesday, he's the Director General of the World Health Organization, the one that's funded by China. Oh, and now by Joe Biden, but uh, mostly by China. Uh, and has lied to us from the very beginning. But he was speaking in Geneva, and he told reporters that Omicron had been detected in 77 countries. The reality is that Omicron is probably in most countries, even if it hasn't been detected yet. And uh, people should not dismiss Omicron as mild, and on and on he went. Because, you know, 
it might affect people's understanding of COVID and they might stop wanting to take these shots. That's my view. That's not what he said. But he had to come out right away because that did a lot of damage for the World Health Organization to answer that question and say there hadn't been any deaths worldwide from Omicron. But then Great Britain spoke up and they tried to help, but it sounds like there's a big hole in that story. So, um, okay, so other things. These are important. The FDA has approved boosters for minors. Trouble is, guess what? You won't be surprised. They haven't tested any boosters on minors. Uh, it was December the 9th. The FDA approved an, the emergency use authorization, which is, of course, great because it uh, they don't have any liability. If something happens to your child, you can't do anything about it. You can't get help with your medical bills. You can't sue anyone there because it's emergency use, because it's an emergency, you know, to vaccinate your kids and give them a booster. Even though uh, we know that the CDC even says that children are less likely to develop severe illness or die from COVID. Very few of them have died out of the million and so who've been tested positive for it. Uh, teenage boys are at terrible risk. We've talked about this so often. The risk of heart problems in boys uh, age 16 to 19 is about nine times higher than in unvaccinated boys. And that guess who's reporting that? The New York Times. And so the question is, uh, if this is after these two vaccinations, what would happen after this third dose? Because it's after the second vaccination that a lot of these kids are having this re reaction, these boys. So what happens after the third dose? Well, we won't know. And we don't know because uh, they're going to force it on our kids, force them to take it. And then we'll find out, won't we, if uh, maybe more than nine times uh, the normal uh, the children who are unvaccinated, maybe more than nine times those that have been vaccinated will get myocarditis. Wouldn't that be delightful? What are we doing here? And by the way, I have an article in my hand, too. I just have to get this one last one in. It's, there's a letter. The USPS, it looks to be, is colluding with the FDA to hold packages from overseas containing ivermectin. There's more to that story, and I'll, I'll tell you more about it tomorrow, but it's just, uh, it's just uh, we are living in insanity. Wicked, wicked, wicked times. Anyway, um, but we have a savior. It's true. It's true today. It's be true tomorrow. And for that, I am so grateful. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.